This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. <sighs> Sound like you enjoy it more. Hello. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Charlie. And I'm Hannah. And we're two 20-somethings rereading our favourite childhood book but with this time with added alcohol and cynicism. In this episode, we're going to be discussing chapters 11 and 12 of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. So grab a glass of your favourite alcoholic beverage and join us on this relentless journey. Hello and welcome to episode 17. That's mad. I don't know why we're so particularly impressed by 17, but like... because it's not a milestone number, but it's a really high number. Yeah, we consistently did one thing 17 times. (laughs) And also, like, we... I still don't think people have heard the fact that this first episode that we recorded, like, we were like, oh, yeah, we should make this podcast, whatever. Let's do a test first episode. Yeah. We did it before going on a night out. Like, we decided to use it as pre-drinks to see if we wanted to run this yeah, podcast. So exactly. we did this... The first episode was pre-drinks. Yeah, exactly. Like, we didn't really consider didn't to do this more than once. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie's fiddling in a bag. Um, Charlie still has a sore throat. Um, I do. This is recorded immediately after the last one. Well, not immediately. We had a really nice takeaway. So good. Oh, thai, thai food. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uber Eats delivery. Sponsors. Please sponsor us. Charlie, what are we drinking today? Because you're keeping it very secret. Hannah doesn't know what we're drinking. It's absolutely excellent. And I'm going to make her guess. But to guess, you have some clues. Oh, dear Christ. This is excitement being added to Goblet of Wine. For the listeners, <laughs> she's put down on the table in front of me a lighter and a teaspoon with a sugar cube on it. Pause the podcast and tweet us now if you know what that means. At Goblet of Wine Pod. I don't know what this means. The sugar made me think tequila slammers, but I don't know what fire and spoon and sugar is. I can reassure you, not heroin. Yeah, no, that was my other thing. I was thinking, I was like, it's a teaspoon and some sugar. It's a white cube on a teaspoon. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. Not. She's handed me a bottle that looks like a potion bottle, and now I'm wondering: is this essence of weed? Read it. You fool! It's absinthe. No, no. I don't want it. Where did you get this? From the Czech Republic, where it is the national drink. Apparently, you haven't been to the Czech Republic as far as I'm aware. No, but my parents have. Oh, when did they go to the Czech Republic? The other weekend. It's a really gross colour. Like, I expected it to be, and I don't know if the one in America is, neon green, but instead it's a kind of, I would call it when I've drunk too much piss yellow. <laughs> Not when I've drunk too much piss. <laughs> When you're, dehydra- right, when you're dehydrated, <laughs> like you've had too much drink and you're hungover and your piss is like a really gross yellow colour. When you've drunk too much. Okay. <laughs> so we have absinthe. Explain why you put a lighter and a teaspoon with a sugar cube down in front of me. Okay, so the traditional bohemian way in which you drink absinthe. So you put some absinthe in a glass and then you dip the sugar cube in. You put the sugar cube onto an absinthe spoon, which I do not own because I am not an alcoholic, but it's basically like a flat spoon with like gaps in it, like holes in it. You then put the sugar cube on top. You light the sugar cube. You wait until it burns out and then you slowly drip over water until it's about like one to two parts to five parts water. And then put that in the absinthe? And then, yes, you put, you so you drip the water into the absinthe and then you put the sugar cube in and then you stir it. And what's your plan now? 
for this episode. We drink absinthe. Do we set the sugar cube on fire? It sounds like a terrible plan, so yes. Great. Um, we might pause this bit, uh, but what we will do is set up a recording. Yes. Uh, the full recording will be on Patreon, but cut down versions will be on our social media. So uh, enjoy. Let's, let's go. Yep. Let's go. Right. Do you trust me doing this? I don't trust me doing this. I mean, the fire alarm's over the other side of the house, so just go for it. This was such a bad plan. That is a lot more fire than I thought it would be. This is like, I feel like you're mixing drugs. <laughs> it's the bohemian way. Right, I wanna... Who taught you this? YouTube! Wow. <laughs> so guys, Charlie's just done chem... What I can only describe as chemistry for the last... That was on... Oh, sorry. We're yeah. around the mic. Chemistry for the last 10 minutes, which, as we said, there will be cut-down versions on Instagram and Twitter, but the full 10-minute version will be on Yes. Um, but yeah, obviously cut down version of the whole thing. It involved setting a sugar cube on fire. Um, luckily, my smoke alarm isn't in my lounge. <laughs> yeah, it was great fun. Uh, are you ready to try absinthe? No, I so don't want to do this. Cheers. Cheers. Oh. Oh my God. Charlie, this is fine. That's, yeah, that's fine. It must be the sugar, because... It must be the sugar. Because when we smelt that... Like, I don't love it. I wouldn't choose to drink it, but I'm not going to retch and gag like with the Uzo. No. It must be the sugar. That's what we should have done with the Uzo, then. It's not sweet enough for us. I'm a bit concerned, because I don't want to like it, because I didn't want to drink it all. And now I'm probably going to drink it all, and it's absent. Let's move on to the reason why we're here, Harry Potter. Um... Chapter 11, The Dueling Club. Yeah. So so Harry wakes up in the hospital wing and he's a bit miffed that Ron and Hermione aren't there. He gets all butthurt. It's really cute. He goes up to the common room and he's like, oh, well, I suppose they can do what they want, but I can't believe they didn't wait to see if it was okay. Um, but in the end, he goes to Moaning Myrtle's bathroom and finds Ron and Hermione. And they've basically already heard about what's happened to Colin from rumours from the teachers who have decided to work on the Polyjuice Potion straight away. Very sweet of them. He tells them about Dobby and then some time passes and the book mentions that Ginny is really, really distraught, which is quite a good... It's, it's the same with any murder mystery when all these hints are placed throughout of like, of course Ginny's distraught because Colin sits next to her in charms, but also when you reach the end of the book and realise she was the one opening the chamber, she's distraught because she's starting to not remember what happened when... She, she doesn't remember the period where Colin was attacked, so she suspects it's her. Harry and Hermione all stay up to stay over Christmas because for convenience sanity, Draco is staying over Christmas, so they think they can interrogate him then. Even though every yeah. other book he's like, people who stay for Christmas are losers. Yeah. Losers. I just And it's really mean. Hermione really ditches her parents. Imagine being 12 and being like, no, I'm not going to come home for Christmas. So I'm going to talk about this going forward, especially in book five, when I feel like Hermione's parents, like, uh, she mentions them a lot more than she does in other books. They're not mentioned at all, really, in this book. But yeah, you're right. Like, they only see her. They didn't expect her to go to boarding school, like this boarding school in Scotland, where they'd only see her once, like twice a year. Sorry. And then on top of that, she's 13 years old, and she's just said, oh, I'm not coming home for Christmas. Like, I'm 24, and I get quite stressed if I'm ever in a job which doesn't allow me to have time off. Not yeah. even time off. I don't mind working from home, but allowing me to take the time to be with my family over Christmas. I'm also not religious. I don't celebrate it as a Christian holiday, but I take it as a time to be with my family in a very important time. And I'm 24. Like, I can't imagine. Maybe at 13, your priorities are different in the fact that you don't think like that. Like, maybe at 13, I would have thought, oh, well, like, they have an important mission to interrogate Draco yeah. Malfoy. Of course they do. And every year it's given this reason why Hermione stayed. You know, there's um, the next year it's to keep Harry company. Then it's the Yule Ball. And then it's, um, then there's the whole thing where she abandons her skiing holiday. That one will go into a lot. But also I'm trying to, I'm now putting myself in her mum's shoes and being like, God, I miss my daughter so much. She's gone to this boarding school, which I didn't expect, but I'm so proud of her. I'm so looking forward to seeing her over Christmas. And I get this letter that's just like, oh, I'm not coming home. Yeah. So Hermione sad. is a dick. She's not a dick. 
it's just I just hard. think it's really I just think, mean. I think it's really hard for Muggleborns. I think the world's really like forced them to be pulled apart. And maybe that's the theme tying into the whole fact that she's a Muggleborn and being attacked for the fact she's a Muggleborn is the fact that also this world that she's entered into doesn't allow her to split her time very well between her family and it is one of those things where it's like two completely different worlds and even i remember like i mean not even remember like even now when i go and visit my parents and then when i'm back in london it feels like two entirely different lives Mm -hmm. particularly so in university but even still now and you can only imagine if one's magical and one's not but i still just like i couldn't imagine being 12 and being like no i'll just stay I, I get very upset if I'm not with my family for Christmas. Yeah. So yeah. It's, I understand, like, this is one of the problems I have with J.K. Rowling choosing to not expand Hermione's parents, is that Ron is always given a relatively good reason if he doesn't go home for Christmas. Yeah. But the problem with not choosing to expand Hermione's parents is it doesn't allow us to have a good enough reason why she stays and what her parents reaction were to her staying at Hogwarts and it doesn't allow us to have that depth of character understanding that yeah she might feel she needs to say to interrogate Joker Malfoy and that's really important to the cause and I do believe Hermione is invested in certain causes that she would choose to do that but it doesn't allow us to see the flip side where yeah she wants to stay but she's sad that she doesn't get to see her mum and dad over Christmas yeah I want to see that flip side yeah and it seems a bit unrealistic to just be like this 12 year old girl is totally fine with this yeah it it seems like a plot device it does it does they needed her there for the plot so she's there exactly yeah yeah so they need to steal the ingredients for the polyjuice potion from snape they're missing two ingredients and hermione volunteers because her record is clean um but she needs the boys to cause a diversion so harry lobs a filibuster firework yeah to goyle's cauldron during a potion i just burped wouldn't recommend burping when you've drunk this yeah no i can imagine um harry loves a firework and it says that you know people's noses are growing it's like a a, what do they call it i can't remember what solution they call it like a growing potion basically and like people's noses are growing people's arms are growing and it said the line is goyle was covering his eyes with his hands which had expanded to the size of dinner plates are we talking about his eyes or his hands here? Because if your hands have expanded to the size of dinner plates, fine. Like, my hands can't be far off dinner plates. Yeah. But eyes? Eyes? Uh, eyes? That's some straight up Looney Tune shit. And also, <laughs> if your eyes are expanding to the size of dinner plates, then your head must be expanding with it. Because if your eyes are just expanding, then your head would explode. Yeah. So which one are you talking about here, Joe? Yeah, Joe. Joe. Maybe learn to write a book? This is the kind of thing which if we ever met her, I'd avoid all the like the awkward big questions and just be like, when you said his eyes expanded to the size of dinner plates, what did you mean? How does that work, Joe? How does that also, work? Also, why was there no LGBTQ plus inclusion? I actually read a really good, a really reasonable tweet the other day that said, what J.K. Rowling is doing now is alienating a lot of fans but all she needs to come out but she just needs to come out and say i started writing these books 20 25 years ago at that time i wasn't trying or thinking about being inclusive and the community will probably be like yeah i get that and that that is yeah but how trying to record it without actually putting it in any of her texts is what's alienating people and I get that, and it was a very different time, and I wouldn't even mind her retconning it if it wasn't for the whole Dumbledore Grindelwald thing. Yeah, because that for me badly. is the one thing that genuinely contributes a huge amount to the plot. So that's when it becomes problematic to not include it. Yeah, because it adds so much. So that is why I have an issue with it because I think a lot of the time, if you're including people's sexualities and races Mm. for the sake of it, that's not good. It shouldn't just be for the sake of it. It should be open that any character can be any ethnicity or gender or sexuality. And and that is how things should be. But it's when it is relevant to the plot and you purposely leave it out that that becomes homophobic or racist or transphobic or whatever. And I don't believe it was left out in the books. I think, in the original book series, I think in the in the the books were written for the audience they were for. I think reading them as an adult, the interpretation that Dumbledore is gay is plainly there in the text. But the way that in the latest films she's saying in interviews that 
they have a gay relationship but not showing it on screen yeah that's where you're having big issues yeah i uh, yeah i i disagree i think that it could have been more clear in the mm. books i think no. that obviously the subtext is there but like fucking why should it just be subtext when there are so many like awkward awful like why should we have to sit through chapter and chapter of harry and cho yeah no, that's but true. not have dumbledore and grindelwald like, no, that's very true, that's very true. It could have been made more explicit. Definitely. So they've got the ingredients, they go back to the bathroom, and it's literally described... Sorry. I have point to... Do carry on to do. with point. This is so seamless. I love that we're so professional and coordinated and seamless. Enjoying that as absent for you, Hannah? In the potions lesson, when they're trying to steal... Um, the ingredients required for yeah. the polyjuice potion. So Harry causes a distraction by chucking something into someone's cauldron that makes it explode. Yeah. And there is a line where it's like, he says that he thinks Snape knew it was him. And it's like, yeah, fucking legitimens yeah. or however you say it. So many he definitely did. But he can't prove it. But does he know why? Surely, if he can read his mind and know that he did it, he can read his <laughs> mind to know why. So in book four, we get a callback to this. Kind of. When Snape mentions that someone else was stealing Boomslang skin and whatever the horn was for Polyjuice yeah. Potion. And Harry thinks he's calling back to the time where he originally did it. So, yeah, I think there's a chance Snape knew the whole thing. But the problem with the Gillimans is you have no proof to go to anyone with. Yeah, that so is true. The only thing is, if you saw students or notice students stealing ingredients, which are clearly for a polyjuice potion, you'd go to the headmaster and be like, I'm concerned yeah. that some pupils may be making illicit potions they shouldn't be making. Now, if, like, and maybe Snape did do that, because we know Snape, although he's a very bad guy, probably isn't at first to go to the headmaster and be like, I'm concerned some students might be doing something like polyjuice potion. Yeah. But still... He can't particularly prove it was anyone. Yes, yeah. but like it's a safeguarding issue. You need to be able to report it. Yeah. Also, Snape's private store cupboard where all these ingredients are stored probably should be locked. <laughs> might Maybe. be a good idea. Might be a good idea, Snape. Maybe yeah. a little bit. <laughs> so they get to the bathroom with all the ingredients hid up Hermione's jumper, and it's literally described. Put another shoe cupid in. Does your tongue feel weird? My tongue feels weird. It's probably the sugar gin, marshmallow gin, then followed by absinthe. <laughs> Mm. Anyway, so they arrive in the bathroom and it's literally described in the book that Hermione just chucks the two new ingredients into the potion. Now, I thought it's described explicitly in the text, probably in the later books, maybe that's why it isn't in this book, that for complicated potions, which we know this one is, we know Polyjuice Potion isn't taught until mute level, it isn't just add the ingredients, it's add the ingredients in such a particular order at the exact certain times, then stir a particular amount clockwise or anti-clockwise whilst turning the fire down to a certain temperature. Hermione literally just arrives. Yeets them in. Yeets the boobs like <laughs> skin in like, potion done. And apparently Boom. that's this new level potion which she's just plonked some blue boom slang skin into like yeah i know that we she hasn't quite developed like what how to make a complex potion how to make a simple potion but she must know that like jk rowling must know that you she said polyjuice potion is a complicated potion so maybe just don't chuck boom slang skin into yeah it. like you, you've got to prepare it chop it slice it do something with it. it like whatever like i don't know what a skin is yeah whatever. it's not like when you're like you know when you cook you don't just like, I've got this pepper, just plonk it in there. I've got an entire sweet potato, in it goes. Yeah, definitely. I feel like we need to start like a cooking vlog where we just follow the ingredients, but we just put the ingredient in. Just like make a bolognese just with all the ingredients in a just, pan. Just put a cow in there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Seems legit. So then a few days start. And there's a sign up saying that tonight a dueling club is going to start in Hogwarts. So it says that evening that most of the school turn out for this dueling club, which leads me to believe that maybe, just maybe, if most of the school turn out for a club, maybe you need to make it into a lesson. No shit. Like, if most of the school are being like, yeah, I want this thing taught to me, just teach it to them and most of the school is a lot of fucking people yeah we did the maths a at some thousand. point between 800 and a thousand we believe yeah so yeah they're all kind of waiting for this dueling club um but it turns out it's lockhart running it with snape as his partner because why snape would agree to this i have no clue i do go on 
theory so, time with Charlie. I'm going to stir my sugar cube. Yeah, enjoy that stirring. So there's a line when Lockhart says that he's running this um, dueling club and that Snape volunteered because he knows a tiny little bit about dueling. Yeah. And obviously you kind of read that on first read as being like, okay, so Lockhart's being really obnoxious. Obviously Snape is a far more skilled and experienced duelist than uh, Lockhart. Is that the word? Duelist? Anyway, so obviously you kind of read that as Lockhart being obnoxious that, you know, Snape is more experienced, but Lockhart's being like, oh, he knows a tiny little bit about it. Yeah. In his radio DJ voice. Radio DJ. Radio DJ. Uh... But actually, what I like to think is that Snape saw this as an opportunity to fuck with Lockhart. Oh, yeah. So he, he when um, Lockhart said that he was starting this, Snape's like, oh, well, you know, I know a tiny little bit about dueling. Just a tiny little bit. you'll be better than me. You're definitely going to be better. Definitely pick me as the person because I just know a tiny like, little bit about it. Like, don't pick Flickwick because he'll embarrass you because he is the champion. Yeah, yeah. Pick me because, like, I just, I just know a tiny bit. I just know bit. a bit. Like, I, I've read, a you know, an article online and... Because we know Snape is all about the entrances, all about the pettiness. Uh-huh. He loves it. Definitely within character. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, I like yeah. that theory. Yeah. Thank you, Hannah. The absinthe is disgusting. <laughs> it's better than the ouzo. It is. Wow. I just I, what I love about this podcast is like I own so much weird alcohol and a lot of alcohol for like just one person, and I feel like you know those people that have like tried every alcohol ever. ever? Yeah. We're becoming those people. Like, oh God, we are. We're gonna be those people who are at a pub and people are like, oh my God, they've got this. I've never tried that, and I'll be like. We did. We did. We did. We like, did. not many people here have actually tried absinthe that much, and we can be like, we tried absinthe and just like weird flavored vodkas and stuff like that. Like, it's great fun trying all this. It and is. Like, definitely, like, if you want us to try something weird, pay us. Yeah, pay us. Like, I kind of also love that this podcast is progressing to the point where it started off. Do you remember almost every episode that the first half of Philosopher's Stone was? Charlie's on the beer and Hannah's on the wine. Yeah, we or had, vodka and coke. We haven't had a beer and wine episode in so no. long. So long. Which is good fun. And we have some really, really fun alcohols coming up. So yeah, we definitely do. tweet us your ideas for alcohols. I feel like we do need like a back in the day beer and wine episode occasionally. Yeah. And we also, I think we need to do more like cocktails and weird mixes. A hundred percent. This is but the what thing. What would be good is if, like follow us on Twitter and we're, we're active a lot of the time when we're recording during the evening, but we'll try to be more organised doing it before. If we tweet you guys like pictures of the alcohols we yeah. own, same mixes you think we could do yeah. with them. And it, even on Patreon, if you want to tweet us a mix, obviously like money does have to be a limit, but you know, if you want us to mix something that we own and make us drink something absolutely fucking disgusting, you can. I have chocolate flavoured liqueur. I'm really intrigued about yes. what someone could do with that. Yes, yeah. that sounds rank. I One time in university, I had a friend and she was Finnish and she had this weird like banana liquor. Oh, yeah. And you would mix it with milk and it was literally... Like you, milk and milkshake. Like yeah, milk and milk. it was yeah. banana milkshake. You could not tell the difference. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I had like an entire house party drinking other alcohol and then I drank that and then I was very, very ill in the morning. Mm, yeah, I can see that. You can make us do that. You could. Sales pitch could. over. Anyway. Back to Harry Potter. <clears throat> so, yeah. so Lockhart and Snake run a demo. And what I didn't realise until reading this is Snape is the first person ever in the book series to use Expelliarmus. Oh, yeah. Harry's signature spell. Yeah. But Snape is clearly extremely powerful from what we know about Expelliarmus later is that Expelliarmus mostly disarms people. But Expelliarmus, when Snape casts it to Lockhart, throws him off his feet against a wall and like lands him flat on his yeah. back. Like, it's quite an intense Expelliarmus. It is, but, you know, Lockhart is shit, and Snape's a very powerful wizard. There you go. But I just love that this spell, which becomes Harry's signature move, and in the end, actually, by the end of book seven, becomes the symbol for, basically, peace. Like, it's disarming. It's not mm. It's not antagonistic fighting. It came from Snape. It's interesting. That's a very good point, Hannah. Well done. It's almost like you read a book. <laughs> so they're split up into pairs without ever really mentioning like what they're meant to be doing so they say oh just disarm each other and Snape said the words expelliarmus but number one what if someone didn't hear him properly yeah. number two we know for a fact that 
spells aren't just done with words, they're done with wand yeah. movements. And then to like split into pairs and practice it, I'm like, yeah. how are you expecting any of them to do this? Yeah. You're just shouting some words. I know. And when they split into pairs, so obviously Hermione gets put with Millicent Paulstrode. Yeah. And like the, the description of her, it's so... Like, it's just like, oh, she was really masculine was and really huge. ugly. Yeah. And, like, it's yet another fucking time when J.K. Rowling is like, wait, I've got this bad character. Guess she needs, well, guess they need to defy their gender norms and be physically unattractive. Yeah, be like, huge. It annoys me so much. Like, the unattractive thing is problematic. In itself. In itself. Yeah. But, like, the gender norm thing, like, the only positive example we have of someone breaking their gender norms is Hagrid. Yeah. Every other fucking example of when someone does this, it's literally all the villainous characters. Yeah. And to have Melissa Bullstroke betrayed as this, like, super butch person. It's, it's like, obviously, like, like she's a dick. butch and huge. Yeah, and it annoys me because it's, like, I'm, like, I wouldn't say I'm, like, incredibly butch, but, like, I'm, like, I can, I can be, like, I'm... I'm like broad, like yeah, it, like you have slightly broad shoulders. I do. I have rugby player shoulders. Play rugby. That's sexy. like I should. You know, I find rugby players sexy. The bum. Me and Charlie aren't going out. Do you ever think people start listening to podcasts and think we're dating? I don't know, but <laughs> I like to think. And this is really quite terrible, but you know how people are with people with short hair. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I like a hundred percent when people see us out together. You have yellow hair, and I have short hair. People think we're a couple. A hundred. I hope so. Charlie. Neil is our like platonic friend <laughs> he's our beard yeah but like no but I like to think that when people like listen and they don't know who's talking and they're like me in the early episodes talking about being bi they're like well that's the one with short hair <laughs> yeah that's a good point actually like if you that's have to a bear really good point yeah exactly but I, I have been told a lot lately that the whole like colourful hair combined with the fringe is like yep she's bi Bye. no the short hair thing I get constantly are you a lesbian <clears throat> so my next note was actually about Millicent Bulstrode and how not only is she described in a horrific way, um, because, you know, female Slytherin must be a huge butch woman, apparently. Definitely. Um, she then physically attacks Hermione. Yeah. <laughs> like, not just, like, attacks her with magic. The thing ends, and Hermione's in a headlock, and Harry has to go pull Millicent Bullstrode off. Like, they've known each other for about two minutes. What the fuck was Millicent Bullstrode doing to put this little girl in a headlock? It's just the fact she's a muggle... muggle. Muggleborn, yeah, and also that's probably like Hermione's smart, but do you know what she can't do? Put people in headlocks. No, it's just really quite aggressively described. No, but um, so then Malfoy and Harry have to go on stage to do a demo. They do, and Malfoy, after speaking to Snape, conjures a snake out of thin air, which to me seems like quite advanced transfiguration. Yeah, like maybe is it transfiguration? But is this before or after um, Lockhart drops his wand? <laughs> after. <laughs> That's when Lockhart... So Snape says to Malfoy, blah, 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 make a snake. And Lockhart's trying to demo something to Harry and just drops his wand on the floor. Yeah. And it's amazing because he's like, whoops. And My wand is a little overexcited. <laughs> Same. Same. But then... Harry comes out with this line that Lockhart's like, just do what I did. And Harry's like, what? Drop, Drop my, my wand. wand. Absolute classic Harry sass. <laughs> Harry sass is just like observational sass. It is. He's spectacular. <laughs> so yeah, quite advanced magic from Malfoy. And then the snake goes into attack just in Finch Fletchley because, you know, Hufflepuffs apparently need attacking with snakes. Um, Harry tells the snake to leave Justin Finch Fletchley alone and then he realises that everyone is staring at him and that no one can stop looking at him and Charlie's on her phone. Everyone's staring at Harry and Harry's like, what have I done? And Ron and Hermione pull him out of the Great Hall because no teachers intervene at this point because there is no care for these pupils when they're going through emotional things. Um, Ron explains that Harry is a parcel mouth and it means that he can talk to snakes and that is bad. Bad, bad, bad. Bad, 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 bad. Bad. And Ron is like, it's really bad. You shouldn't talk to it about anyone. And Harry's like, mm, okay. Rather than being like, huh, do you think I could maybe talk to it about like, I don't know, to my head of house, like Professor McGonagall, maybe just talk to her about this thing yeah. that I'm going through. Yeah. Maybe she could give me some support and maybe even talk to Dumbledore because I'm going through an emotional thing and I think an adult could really give me support at this time. No, 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 no. Just, just bottle it up. Yeah. Harry, don't tell anyone. Yeah. Repress your feelings, Harry. 
repress the fact you have a talent, which, yeah, might not be, you know, the best. to everyone's taste. Well, I want to know. You can talk to a teacher about it. Is it just snakes or are there other animals that some people can talk to? That's an interesting question. I know, or I wouldn't have said it. Everything I say is interesting and I questionable. I feel like it's just snakes. But why? And then is it other kinds of small, slimy, snaky, scaly boys? The, the ones that aren't one snakes? Reptiles? Lizards. Reptiles, shall we? Yes. Reptiles. The small, snaky, lizardy <laughs> dudes. I think it's just snakes. I don't know why. I like to that believe. Seems I like to improbable. believe Luna can talk to all animals. She just like sees a rabbit and she's just like, "Hello." <laughs> yeah. Aside from owls, I think they would be antisocial. So they then jump to the conclusion that Harry must be related to Salazar Slytherin. Obviously. Obviously. Because you can't have two separate families or more with the same ability. No, no, you can't. No, 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 no. No, no. He's now Salazar Slytherin's great, 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 great grandson. And that must make him evil because definitely, you know, evil doesn't get diluted. No, snakes. Just, just, snakes. just evil. Snakes on a plane. Snakes in Hogwarts. Snakes everywhere. There's a snake in my boot. There's a snake in my boot. Um, <clears throat> this episode's going to shit. <laughs> Harry. <laughs> no, hun. Started shit. Harry the next day goes to try to find Justin and apologise to him and explain what happened because he feels really bad that he scared Justin, which well done, Harry. That's actually something nice that you want to do. Um... <laughs> so he tries to go and find him because apology's been cancelled and ends up walking past the transfiguration lesson where there's just this aside that you can hear Professor McGonagall yelling at someone because they've turned their friend into a badger. <laughs> and Same. I, it just made me think if Charlie and I were ever in school together, I would be the one to accidentally turn her into a badger. <laughs> I would enjoy my life as a badger. I would take it in both hands and make wonderful badgery memories. I was told Neil that, you know, badgers are really cute and I wouldn't mind being a badger and he reminded me that they were all diseased. And I said that's really unfair that you're judging all badgers just because they're diseased. Like, that's not the badger's fault. No, it's not. Stop judging badgers. Fair. Fine. Yes. Great. He ends up in the library and he hears the Hufflepuffs are all talking about he how Harry is the heir of Slytherin. What's wrong? What's that face? It's an absent oh, face. Oh, I thought it was like... Mm. I just drunk some. Oh, um, yeah. Harry basically eavesdrops on how they all think he's the heir of It's basically Ernie McMillan going on a rant. But what I kind of like is that the first introduction we have to Ernie McMillan is like this stout boy who... He's described as stout three times. I don't know what stout actually means. I'm pretty sure it's a type of fish and that's definitely <laughs> what she meant. <laughs> A fish-like boy. <laughs> to be fair, it might be her describing a body type that isn't perfect as not evil, um, because I think stout means like short and stocky. Yeah. Like muscly, big build. Yeah, so she's like, you know what? Like, he's not unattractive. <laughs> but he's so, not typically But he's attractive. not very... So he's not evil. He's just a bit of a shit. He's a bit it, of it, all. <laughs> Again, it comes back back down to... He's like, no, two out of ten definitely would not fuck Millister and Bulstrode, but... <laughs> I would give a go on Ernie McMillan if I had to. If I, if, uh, you know, if I drunk some absinthe, <laughs> definitely, probably would. Yeah. Yeah. So, this is Harry's, you know, moral I, compass. But I kind of like how a lot of the characters are like good and bad, black and white in Harry Potter. Like, obviously, later on in the books, they're not, Snape, whatever. But yeah. Ernie McMillan is described as like arguing with Harry in this scene. He's convinced that Harry's the heir of Slytherin. But what that comes down to actually is Hufflepuff loyalty. Yeah. He's loyal to Justin Finch, actually. He's seen something which has upset Justin greatly. So he believes Harry is in the wrong. But later on in the book, not only is he an ally to Harry, he joins Dumbledore's army and fights for him in the Battle of Hogwarts and is one of the, like, 50 people that... Well, no, less than that. 20 people in Dumbledore's army. Like, he's a huge ally to Harry. And I like the fact that in this early book, he isn't immediately on Harry's side because... It's realistic to life. Like you meet people who sometimes you don't agree with fundamentally at the beginning, but you're fighting for a greater cause in the end. And also you learn to find a common ground. And yeah, that's kind of the whole thing. I like it. I like it. Meanwhile, I just instantly hate everyone and I stay that way. 
You do. I do. <clears throat> Harry has an argument with Ernie where Ernie's like, oh, well, I heard you hate the muggles you live with. And Harry's like, oh, well, you should try living with the Dursleys, Ernie. Yeah. Um, it's valid. Valid it's point. Um, so Harry then leaves the library. He does. Can to, confirm. To go somewhere. Yeah. And he this walks, is the point there's where... motion and leg moving involved. No, but what he, there's motion and leg movement, but his eyes apparently stop working. He turns blind. Because in the space of three sentences, he runs headlong into Hagrid. Mm-hmm. Bear in mind, Hagrid takes up a most bit of, of space. a corridor. It's literally described as most He's of a, a corridor. He's a large boy. He's a big boy. So Harry yeah, he is. headlong into him, falls over, gets back up, continues to walk and then trips over Justin's dead body petrified body Harry look where are you how do you not see a body like in the corridor in front of you like where are you looking where you can't see a body right so maybe he was looking down Down, when he ran into and then he was like right so can't be looking down (laughs) oh look best look in the (laughs) other direction the up direction yeah. Not all the way up at the all ceiling the way, direction. All the way. I can only look within like 90 degrees. <laughs> you know when, so what it reminded me of is, you know, tiny children, like three or four year old children, yeah. when they walk and they have no sense of spatial awareness and they're like, like literally running into you, running into walls, like, ah! it, this is how I imagine Harry in this scene, like, oh, fine, I'll just stare at the ceiling. Yeah, literally, Harry is a toddler. Yes. So he turns <coughs> blind so we can have dramatic reveals on the things he bashes into yeah um i'd li- like to think harry just walks through like disastrous things every day and he's just like huh what, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Um, so he falls over justin finch fletchley and then realizes that justin finch fletchley and nearly had the snake have been petrified dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. so he's standing there peeves comes out starts yelling all the teachers come out everyone's realized what's happened yeah ernie mcmillan shows up and the first thing he says in says is he points at Harry and says, ha, caught in the act, rather than being like, Justin, no, my friend, are you alive? Yeah. My friend, he doesn't check whether Justin's alive or dead. He I just feel goes, like, ha, yeah. caught in the act. I feel like I'm that petty. Like, you could be dead, and I would, like, like my first reaction would just be like, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, they're dead, but I I feel very vilified. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's Ernie McMillan at this point. Um, Amazing. So... Spirit animal. <laughs> Love him. <laughs> Nearly had snake has to be wafted with a giant fan up to the hospital wing, which is just a fantastic image. Like, yeah. Incredible detail there. Love it. Because how else do you move a ghost? Well done, J.K. Rowling. Actually, really funny bit there. But, like, it still kind of implies that there's some kind of, like, physicality to them. Because if it was just, like, nothing, then you wouldn't be able to move him at all. That's very but true. But there must be some kind... Like, there's, there is something too waft. 100%. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. Um, and McGonagall takes Harry to Dumbledore's office. End of chapter. Dun dun dun! Next chapter, chapter 12, the polyjuice potion. So McGonagall leaves him at the door, which confused me at first because I was like, where's she going? How does Dumbledore find out what's happened? But I realised it's different to in the films where Dumbledore just appears 10 minutes late in his own office. Yeah. I was remembering the films, whereas in the books, Dumbledore walks through his own office door which means McGonagall went and found him wherever he was he was doing something somewhere else told him what happened yeah and then made him go back to his own office that made more sense to me the films ruined it for me and I was kind of like why was he 10 minutes late to his own office and how did he know what happened yeah anyway um Harry who already thinks he's in trouble like loads of trouble thinks he's gonna be expelled decides fuck it I'll just try on the sorting hat then yeah if I was so worried that I was like, oh, I'm going to be expelled, they think I've killed someone, I wouldn't think, oh, look, that hat that belongs to the school. I'll try it on. He's just very fashion conscious. <laughs> he just wants to try on the hat. But, like, I get it. He's having, like, a massive identity crisis. Yes, like, he, he doesn't know his family. And he's like, maybe I am the heir of Slytherin. Yeah. Um, so I can understand him needing that reassurance that could come from the sorting hat. 
Um, unfortunately, the sorting hat doesn't give him any reassurance. Yeah, but really what he should have been doing is retrying on the scarf of sexuality. As in the third book, he becomes gay. Very bisexual. Yep. Harry is so clearly bisexual. It's not even something we need to discuss. <laughs> bye, 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 bye. Anyway, not in this book so much. Yeah. No, but you know, I'm just saying, scarf of sexuality. That's maybe, a good, maybe like, put that on. Fanfic, Harry Potter and the scarf of sexuality. That's from Very Potter Musical. Of course it is. That's not the first one though. Is it the second one? I don't know. That's why I can't. I've only, I've seen the first one a lot, but the second and third one like once. I was there for the third one. I know you. I'm were. so cool. You're so original hipster. I wasn't there. Unfortunately, the sorting hat gives him no comfort and says he would have been good in Slytherin. And then comes, hands down, to this point, my favourite part of this entire book. Harry realises there's a bird coughing right by the door. Turns around and it's like this sick-looking half-plucked turkey thing. And he's like, ugh, zero out of ten, wouldn't fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) But later on, he would fuck it. Yeah. Um, and he's like, God, that looks horrible. No. I... He's like, damn it, something, and I can't put my dick in it. What is this about? <laughs> and he's like, God, that looks horrible. And he literally thinks, I really hope in this moment with everything that's going on, Dumbledore's bird just doesn't just die on me. And the next sentence is, the bird burst into flames. <laughs> I love it because it's not even like and then the bird fell down and died it's like the most extreme way to die where it just like self combusts just like well fuck you what's that chapter like where it's like I can't remember what it's reaction to and then it just and he just goes and then he burst into flames yeah yeah it's so good so put myself in Harry's shoes and you're like nothing else can go wrong I'm at my lowest point everything is terrible and then you just turn around and it's like Oh, of course the bird is on fire. Like, of course this would happen to me. Yeah. It, it, it is that moment of, this could only happen to me. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So, Fox <laughs> sets on fire, and in that moment, as the flames go out, Dumbledore walks into the office. And Harry's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, your bird, he just caught fire. And Dumbledore's like, chill, bro. Um, I'm sorry you had to see him today. Look, it's a baby. Yeah. And then Harry's like, nah, still wouldn't fuck it. Yeah, but, Not interested. Really gross. Yeah. Doesn't look any better. And then Dumbledore says, did you know, phoenixes can carry immensely heavy loads and have healing powers in their tears. In brackets, this won't become important later in the book. Definitely won't. It's Not cons- at all It's literally one sentence where it's like, and they can do this and this. And here is the information that you will need for later on. Yeah, literally. Um, so then not much else happens. Like, Hagrid walks in and says Harry didn't do it. And Dumbledore says he knows. Yeah. And then just asks, doesn't ask Harry, like, what happened. Just asks if Harry has anything he wants to tell Dumbledore. Yeah, but I love Hagrid's reaction because he has this really extreme overreaction. And yeah. you feel like, oh, it's just Hagrid being Hagrid. He's so emotional. Yeah. But then when you think about it, of course he has a really extreme reaction to thinking that Harry is getting accused of opening the Chamber of Secrets when he didn't. Because he got accused of opening Hagrid the Chamber did. of Secrets. So of course he has this really extreme reaction and it's really sweet and it makes a lot of sense. And it's not just Hagrid being like, oh, he's being Hagrid, just yeah. really irrational and over-emotional. No, just a justified response to the situation. 100%, definitely. But Dumbledore doesn't believe any of it, but asks if there's anything Harry wants to tell him. And this is where I went in caps lock again whilst writing. Because this is where, you, Harry, you should have told Dumbledore that you can hear the voices. Because if you told him you could have heard the, vo- heard the voices, and he'd also heard the rumours from the teachers that you were recently discovered to be a parcel mouth, he could have put two and two together and realised what was going on. Because he's really smart. But no, you didn't tell him because Ron, two chapters ago, was like... Don't tell anyone you can hear voices. It's bad. It's not bad. You can tell someone in confidence and they'll help you for fuck's sake, Harry. He also didn't tell him because plot device. 
yeah, no, we, we need to save the climax till like May, June kind of time yep. for these books to have structure. Yeah, it wasn't just like the second book is just like, and then Harry sensibly confided in his teachers who realised what was going on and solved the issue and everyone maintained a really good, safe, standard level of education at Hogwarts <laughs> that year. The end. And there was no Torcrux defeated. It's Christmas now. Yeah. Last time there was a Christmas. Ho, 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 bitch. We were coming up to Christmas in our real lives. And that is not what's happening. It's coming up to (laughs) springtime in the UK. Stop it. She died. We're leaving winter behind. Oh, she's lying on the floor. Okay, I'll just run this podcast away. I hit my head very hard then. Oh. Um, I fell. I feel like maybe we need to take a hiatus until next Christmas to make it festive themed to the Christmas chapters. No. Um, so it's Fine. Christmas Day and Hermione, in a moment I love, barges into the boys' dormitory early in the morning, throws Christmas presents at them as Ron says, you're not meant to be in here, just literally lobs them at them. He's just like, like Hermione, up. my morning wood, leave me alone. <laughs> he literally is. His first words is Hermione, dot, dot, dot. You're not supposed to be in here. I'm like, oh, Ron, you 12-year-old yeah. boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, whatever, yeah. Ron gets all upset. And Hermione just chucks a Christmas present at his head, which is the level of not caring that I aim to be in life, just chucking Christmas presents at people's heads. Yeah. <laughs> so it then says, so it then says, Hedwig swooped into the room. And I have questions about this. Yeah. So if Hedwig swooped into the room, that leaves me with two options. A window's one, open. The window's open in December in a castle with no central heating. Unlikely. Number two... The doors are open all the way from the owlery to the Gryffindor common room, which it can't be because we know there's a portrait hole. Maybe she went down the chimney like Santa. (laughs) It is Christmas. fell down the chimney. (laughs) (laughs) I have to get this parcel. To be fair, it does say an owl come down the chimney in book five when it renews to get a letter to Yeah, and it's Christmas. Maybe she was being festive. (laughs) She's like, it's Christmas time. I'm coming down the chimney. Maybe she had a little outfit on like Santa. Because the window is definitely not open in Scotland in December because they die. Yeah. It's cold. Like a baby on a doorstep like in November. Like a baby on a doorstep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the best point I've ever come up with. Um, so Hermione has given Harry, I just, this is a little point, Hermione's given Harry a luxury eagle feather quill for Christmas, which is almost an exact copy of the quill that Lockhart has to sign signatures. Yeah. And she's just... that obsessed. Yeah. It's a shit present. She's that obsessed with Lockhart that she's getting her male friends similar present. Mm-hmm. Hermione then says, then starts talking over the plan. She says it's polyjuice day. It's polyjuice time. And she starts talking over the plan with Harry and Ron. And you realise she has sorted everything for these two. Because she's like, you need to get hair from Crab and Coyle. Don't worry, I've already sorted it. Here's these cupcakes that I've pre-made that have got a sleeping draft in. You lay them on the stairs, tear out their hair. I've already got these robes that are bigger and shoes that are bigger and it'll be fine. And I'm like, why weren't the boys helping you more? Why have you thought of every single thing? Because she is the woman and that's her job, Hannah. Fuck the patriarchy. Yep. Patriarchy blows. (laughs) Not a fan. Not a fan. And Harry and Ron are just like, oh, yeah, okay. Are you sure that's a good plan? And I'm like... If you want to think of a better plan, maybe you should have thought of a plan with her. Yep. Yeah, dicks. So Hermione then mentions that they're like, oh, whose hair have you got? And she's like, oh, Millicent Bulstrode. I took it off her robes when she wrestled me. She hasn't gone home for Christmas, so I'll just tell the Slytherins that I've decided to come back. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Fine. The Slytherins believe that in the middle of Christmas Day, Millicent Bulstrode has just turned back up. Whatever. She's had Christmas lunch. She's turned back up to Hogwarts. Fine, I'll buy it, whatever. What then happens then after an hour, the Slytherins never, never ever see Millicent, Millicent again for the rest of the Christmas holidays. And they're not going to be like, fuck, where did Millicent go? And then when the real Millicent comes back after Christmas, they're going to be like, hey, why were you here for an hour on Christmas Day and then you never showed up again? I feel like they don't think of repercussions because also like, like Draco saw them start to turn back into themselves and also like even if he didn't surely at some point he would be like hey guys you know that entire conversation that we had the other day and they're like 
No, but, no, but what you got to remember is Crab and Goyle are they're so stupid, they forget entire conversations, so that's why it works. That's real convenient. Because all evil people are idiots. Definitely. Apart from Draco, who's actually intelligent. Definitely. Anyway, so the Millicent thing really annoyed me because Hermione has this, like, she has all this foresight into, like, I'm going to make a sleeping draft, blah, 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 but doesn't think what happens when Millicent doesn't turn up for the rest of Christmas holidays. Yeah. <coughs> so, they then... <clears throat> annoyed. So, the three of them, as 12 and 13-year-olds, fit in one cubicle to make this polyjuice potion. They, like... that. It's tight squeeze, but the three of them, you know, all pressed together in their 12 and 13-year-old uncomfortable ways... That would be really uncomfortable at age 13. Yeah. Fit in a cubicle together... But they say when they're the three Slytherins, they need to go in three separate cubicles because Cram and Gull are huge and Millicent Bulstrode's no pixie. J.K. Rowling, stop making fat people evil. Or stop making evil people fat. Yep. Or large, or whatever you want to call it, broad, muscular. It's a dick move. It's a dick move. It's not just like, and I know you can say like, obviously Draco Malfoy is like skinny and whatever, fine. But all the like idiot evil people like the Dursleys, Crab, Goyle, Millicent, all those people are like red as huge and bulky. Yeah. And it's just like, why? Why that stereotype? Like, yeah, you can have one evil character who's bigger because you can also have good characters like Mrs. Weasley who's described as plumper. That's fine. It's when you start just being like all idiot evil people yeah. are big and you start just typecasting them all as big is where I have an issue. Yeah, definitely. It goes back to that um, like psychologist or whatever, the one that had the theory about the physical appearance of uh, criminals. Let me just Google this quickly so that I sound really intelligent. Wow, actual um, research done on Goblin and Wild. Anyways, yeah, so it was um, this psychologist... Ugh, Wow, words. A psychologist called Lombroso, I believe. Um, and he basically said that uh, all criminals look a certain way. Um, so like broader noses, blah, 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 whatever. I can't remember what it was. but um, And I think it probably also, I'm guessing, probably fed a lot into anti-Semitism. Mm. Um, just guessing. I don't know that for a fact. I'm just saying from... Yeah, anyway. So he would draw up, like, he had this, like, vision of what your typical criminal would look like. Yeah. And this just... And bear in mind, this was, like, in, like, apparently, um, 1871. Oh, Jesus. I thought you were talking about, like, the 1960s. No, no, no. Like, like a very long time ago. So that's just really sheds a light on how fucking old-fashioned J.K. Rowling's views are. Yeah, really old-fashioned. Because there are some good characters which are bigger, but the words that are used to describe them are so different. Like, Hagrid's described yeah. as, like, a friendly warmth, like a... Yeah. Like a friendly, large warmth. And Mrs. Weasley is only ever described as plump. Yeah. Plump is a happy word yeah. for larger. Yeah. Broad and like... What are the other Manish or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's the words she used to describe. It's yeah. really... The fact that the three of them are... Or it isn't that. If one out of the three was bigger and the other two yeah. were similar size, I'd mm -hmm. be like, that's fine. Whatever. Representation of different size. I don't really care. The fact that all three of the people they're producing into are bigger yep. so they need bigger robes bigger shoes and a cubicle to themselves i'm just like fuck off that's, that's really just extreme. not it's really yeah. extreme it's really in your face it's just really certain bodies are a certain way yeah yeah definitely i would like to have it be known i have finished my absinthe i'll finish mine good good Anyway, so next more plot happens. Uh, I haven't written it down because I am a bad boy and I don't play by the rules. What happens next? Places, people and things. <laughs> so Harry goes into his own cubicle, takes the polyjuice potion and is an absolute idiot because he has these bigger robes that he needs to change into. Yeah. Well, I don't remember changing into and bigger shoes because he knows he's smaller. Whatever. So, but he decides to not change into the bigger robes and the bigger shoes until after he's taken the polyjuice. And then he's like, oh, my robe's ripped and my feet really hurt. I'm like, well, maybe if you knew you yep. were going to physically transform into other people, you could have put the bigger things on before you took the fucking potion. He dumb. He is an idiot. 
So um, they come out the cubicle. Harry mentions his voice has changed because, of course, it fucking does. Film. No shit. Stupid piece of. If your body's changed, your voice box has fucking changed. Has God, the film's annoying sometimes. Yep. Uh, we'll go into that in the special film episode. Um, so Harry and Ron say, Hermione, come on. And Hermione's like, no, I'm not coming. And then they go. Yep. And here comes the best realisation. Here comes the funny note I have about this chapter. The best realisation I came to. I have read this book. I'm not, I'm trying to think of a realistic amount of times I've read this book. Many. 20? More. More? Probably. I mean, I first read this book age five. So yeah. Yeah, like 20 years worth of reading. Once a year. Once a year. So we're on a minimum of 20, if not more. <laughs> I don't know if you've realised this. Or maybe you found this out years ago and I'm an idiot. Harry and Ron bump into a curly-haired Ravenclaw coming out of the Slytherin uh, corridor. Because they ask what's the way to our common room and she says, I'm a Ravenclaw. Then they wander around for 10 minutes in the Slytherin area. And then bump into Percy. Hmm. And you realise that the curly-haired Ravenclaw with the prefect girl badge was Penelope Clearwater. Was it? Coming out because it's mentioned as the same girl oh. later in the books that is petrified. They were fucking. They were fucking. Brilliant. Christmas Day fuck. Yeah. We will. No. Yeah. I... I uh, 20 times reading this and I only just noticed this. That's so they bump spectacular. Into Percy, also wandering down the corridors, obviously waiting the appropriate 20 minutes to follow her out so they're not seen together. They were down somewhere in the dungeons. Yeah, they were. Doing a bit of... Sex dungeoning. Sex... Sexing. Because then Malfoy... Men- Malfoy bumps into them all and mentions that he's seen... Percy sneaking around a lot lately. Yeah. Because they assume that he's trying to solve the thing. No, no, no. No, no, no. no, no. no, no, no he's no, getting he's... a bit of tail. Woo! Yeah. Percy the shagger. What I just really love is I don't know whether by the time the second book was released, I don't know if it was. It was still too early for J.K. to be aware that adults were reading her books. Because it's very obviously she's aware by book, even three. Yeah. Especially four onwards, that yeah, adults yeah, reading yeah. her books. I don't know whether she was aware by book two. But this passage makes no sense to children. Like, it, it doesn't... No. You don't receive that as a child. That I didn't, As an not, adult. Well, yeah, I'm only noticing it because I read it closely, but... I'm now reading it and I'm like, well, clearly they're going down there to do do the sex. So... Yep, do th- the do. Who did you put this in for? Was it just for your own entertainment, Joe? I mean, maybe. Maybe. Basically, Percy and Penelope play water. They go into the Slytherin common room. They do. Malfoy gives Ron a newspaper. Cutting. <laughs> that was over two separate pages, so I was like, Newspaper. Cutting. Cutting. <laughs> the newspaper clipping says that Mr. Weasley was fined 50 galleons for owning the flying car. Now, considering the fact that at the beginning of the book, when they go to Gringotts, it's explicitly described that there are no galleons in their bank. There's one silver sickle. How the fuck did they pay this fine? How? Prostitution. Shit. <laughs> I don't know, Hannah. I do not know. I mean, I don't know whether it's because Mr. Weasley worked at the ministry that he was able to work out a deal of paying the fine off over a certain amount of months or out of his You would think so, yeah. Because if he's paying it to the ministry and he worked for the ministry, maybe they were just like, we'll dock it yeah. from your pay over, what, five months? You'll pay 10 galleons a month. Yeah. But if he wasn't, if they just upright asked for 50 galleons... Sell shit? Yeah. It's horrible to think about because we know they don't have that money. Harry should have paid it. He should have paid. Harry should have paid it. Like all those times when we were saying maybe he should have given them rent, yeah, and stuff like that. Like no, it's difficult. You know, he was a guest in their house, but he stole the car with yeah. Ron. Ron can't afford to pay yeah. the fifty gallon fine that Harry can. Yeah, and yeah. Malfoy then goes on a I hate Harry Potter run, which is if you're like Harry Potter did this, Harry, Harry Potter, Potter did, did that, Harry Potter, Potter I'm gay, I am Harry Potter. Yeah, hmm. we've talked about this earlier, but he does that. Um, then Malfoy reveals that he doesn't know who the Arrow Slytherin is. So this is the room where Ron, ha- Ron and Ron, 
Ron and Harry, mm-hmm. I've lost all words. Ron and Harry realise that it isn't Malfoy and that this Polyjuice thing's been a bit of a waste. Then, just before they leave, Malfoy says that last time, it, during the attacks, someone actually died. This time I hope it's Granger. Bit mean. Like, I know that Malfoy's a jumped up little shit who believes terrible racist things. Yeah. But I kind of forget because he's not redeemed towards the end of the books, but we're sympathetic towards yeah. him by the end of the books because yeah. he's indoctrinated, blah, blah, blah. I forget how in these early books he is just a disgusting racist yeah. little shit. And I know it's indoctrination. <laughs> I know it's like all come from his family and like it's not... He hasn't had a chance to see the other side of arguments and believe his own beliefs, but it's absolutely disgusting. Yeah, it is. And it's like, even when you have those like racist kids in like, you know, early high school, they were racist, but there's a difference between being racist and being like, I want someone to die because of their race. Exactly. Obviously, neither are remotely okay, but like... Don't be either. That's a difference. So then they start to turn back into themselves. They run back to the bathroom. They're back to themselves. And the reveal is... Mine didn't come with them because she's been turned into a cat. Same. <laughs> yeah, I know. She's all upset. I'm like, that that's like the, the dream. dream. But no, she's like part human cat. Imagine your physical face, like your face being covered in black fur. Bit much. Just shave. And that's the end of the chapter. Charlie, Yay. what did you think of these two chapters? Good. I didn't ask that last episode. Yeah, what did you think of these two? They were good. It was Harry Potter. There were wizards and they did things and yeah. When I was making notes on them and reading them for the first time, I didn't think there was anything like funny that happened. But there was a lot of plot. Especially in that last chapter. Actually, the last two. There was a hell of a lot of plot. There was. Plot happened. Plot happened. Fast plot happened. Yeah, good, 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 good. Anyway, anyway, that's the end of this episode. Yep. Thanks, guys. Bye. Drink some absinthe. Try it. Don't. But if you do, burn sugar. Burn sugar. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To keep up with us in between episodes, you can find us on Twitter at Goblet of Wine Pod, on Instagram at Goblet of Wine Podcast, and on our website at www.gobletofwine.co.uk. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes or on Facebook. Thank you so much to our producer-level patron, Sandra, for her help supporting this podcast. If you'd like to support us, as well as gaining access to behind-the-scenes content and bonus episodes, check out our Patreon on patreon.com slash Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye! Bye.